Hello, and thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of DeRitter, Louisiana, recorded at our 10 o'clock service on Sunday, November 12, 2017. Our text for the day is from the 13th chapter of John's Gospel, verses 1 through 15. Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, You do not know now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, One who is bathed does not need to wash, except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was to betray him. For this reason he had said, Not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet, he put on his robe and had returned to the table. He said to them, Do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you should do as I have done to you. I want to say, I think it was uh, Mardi Gras 1994. It could have been another weekend in that winter, but I'm almost sure it was Mardi Gras weekend because it was North Louisiana and not much was happening. I remember there were trees down all over the place. I remember there was power out in a few places. And I was very fortunate during my time at Louisiana Tech because I was able to spend a lot of time with my grandparents. And in my sophomore year, my grandfather had a stroke that was pretty serious, and I wound up being part of one of their major caregivers. And before he got sick, though, and this winter of 1994, he called me a rust and said, I'm coming to get you. We got some work to do this weekend. And you should know that my papa, outside of my father, I don't think anybody had more influence on my life than my papa. I miss him terribly to this day. I miss him terribly. I miss going fishing with him. We would take a cooler out in the middle of Toledo Bend to come back with 40 or 50 brim, which we would clean, eat, and play dominoes afterwards. And he taught me a lot of things when we would go hang out at our camp. But my grandfather had a way of capturing my attention in a way that no one could. And he called me that day and said, I'm coming to get you. We've got some work to do. And he took me to the church that he and my grandmother attended. And there were trees down everywhere in the parking lot. And he said, we've got to get this done today because tomorrow is Sunday. And we've got to have this parking lot cleared. And I said, fine, let's go, let's do it. I mean, we had a good time. But then as we were driving, I got tired at one point. And I looked at him and I said, well, you know, I am your grandson. I'm the accounting major. How much does our time per hour cost so I can deduct it from my taxes? And he gave me a look 
that look that only a grandfather can give. The, uh, are you kidding me, look? I said, no, I'm serious. I'm burning time on a Saturday up here, and, you know, I want to know what it's worth to me. He put the chainsaw down. At first, I thought he was going to use the chainsaw on me. But he's put that chainsaw down. He said, come sit down for a minute. Whenever Papa said sit down, you was fixing to get a lecture. Just brace yourself for it. And for the only time I can remember in 20, the 25 years I had with my grandfather, he put his finger in my face. And he said, son, let me tell you something. He said, we're not up here for what we can get out of it. He said, we're not serving this church for what you and I can get out of it. And if that's your attitude, you got a lot of growing up to do. He says, I will not have in this family anyone who thinks that the church is about them and what they get out of it. We are here because God's given you and me the ability to run this chainsaw, to haul this wood off, and to make this place better. So I do not ever want to hear you again refer to this church as for what you can get out of it. That was 23, almost 24 years ago. And I can hear his words to this day ringing in my ears. We made quick work of that parking lot after that little motivational speech. I call it a motivational speech that he gave me. But it's a lesson that I have, that I think about all the time. Because you and I live in the unfortunate state that our societal approach to Christianity is a consumer-based Christianity. What can I get out of it? How's it going to benefit me? It's all about what we think and what we want. And if we're not getting what we want, then there's nothing there. And I remember my grandfather saying, don't you dare ever look at life as anything other than a gift from God. He said, and don't you dare ever Make your involvement in anything going on with the church about you. He said, because you don't know what God is up to. He said, God is a lot smarter than you are. He says, I don't care if you are the college boy, no one at all. God knows more than you do. He says, and when you make life in the church about you, you are missing the opportunity for God to show you something. And like I said, that, that has never left me. And I started thinking about it more and more the first time I preached through the five vows of membership that we take when we join a United Methodist Church. And this vow of service. Every time I welcome a confirmand or someone in the church who takes that vow, every time I preach through it, every time we do a renewal service, every time we do a baptism, I remember, the, I remember that lecture I remember that lecture because he captured the essence of what Christian life and faith is all about. I wish he was here today because I would thank him profusely because he captured the lesson that is found in this third chapter of John, this 13th chapter of John, excuse me, where Jesus is going to the Last Supper and he's teaching the disciples and he's teaching them more by example than anything. And remember what Jim read. Jim mentioned the fact 
that Jesus went and He served even the one who was to betray Him. Jesus is washing the disciples' feet as an act of hospitality, an act of service, and He's also doing it to set an example. He knew that Judas was going to sell Him out, and yet Jesus served anyway. And Jesus humbled Himself anyway. And, you know, we read this story, but the money part of this story comes almost at the very end in verses 14 through 15. The first thing we see when we look at this passage as a whole is that service is rooted in obedience to God. Service is rooted in obedience to God. Let's look at verse 14 where he says, So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Jesus says, do this. Let us have the attitude of humility. Let us have the attitude of service. Jesus wasn't doing this act of service for what He could get out of it. But Jesus was engaging in His act of service for what He could put into the other, even the one who was going to betray Him. And I think the question we must ask ourselves is do we look at God? Do we look at Christ? Do we look at our church as consumers? Or do we look at our life and our faith and our love in Christ as one of service? Because I'm going to tell you, Christ right here in this story is reminding us that when we take the vow to serve our congregation, we are doing so because Christ showed us that we are to live a life in service to others even those who may ultimately betray us. But before we get to that part, if you go back to verse 8, we have a little complication in the story. We have a little complication where he says, Peter says, Peter, Simon Peter, remember, Simon Peter, the one that Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church. Simon Peter, the one where it is said, that St. Peter's Basilica, the mother church of Christianity in many ways, is built upon a tomb where he was sacrificed. Jesus said, Peter said to Jesus, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Service to others involves doing the unexpected. Service to others involves doing the unexpected. After all, Jesus is the Lord, the teacher. He is their leader. He is the one to whom they have sworn absolute loyalty. He is the one that they have followed around for three years, soaking up all of His teaching and all of His examples and all these other things. He is the one to be followed, and yet He says to them, I'm going to wash your feet. He doesn't say to them, even though He could have, He he does not say to them, I've earned it, so you will wash my feet. He doesn't have a 50-year pin 
and says, because of my position, y'all are going to cater to me. Now Jesus says to Peter, unless, unless I wash you, you will have no share with me. It's one thing to serve others. What we have as one era in our country was known as the era of good feelings. It's easy to serve and to love one another when we all get along. It's easy to be in service and self-sacrifice to others at various points. But remember, Jesus flips the script on everything in life, including the act of service. It's the reason why we are called to reach out to the marginalized. There is a reason why we are called to go out and to serve. There is a reason why we are called to, in so many letters in the New Testament, to build up a community of faith, to bear one another's burdens, to love one each, to love each other, to serve each other, to pour life into each other. Nowhere in the Scripture does it say you are to expect these things. But instead, we are to serve one another in a most unexpected way. Peter had no idea what this concept was. And Jesus says, it is essential if you are going to be my follower. So our question we have for us this morning is what is the unexpected thing that Jesus is expecting us to do if we're to be true followers of Him. We go back to verse 15 toward the end. Remember I told you most of the, good, most of the money lessons come toward the end of this passage. Service follows the example of Christ. Notice in verse 15, For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Jesus is not asking us to do anything He has not done Himself. The question you and I have to answer for ourselves is, are we going to be serious about being people of service? Jesus could very easily have said, because I have the power, because I am the head of the thing, you will wash my feet. He could very easily have rested on His laurels, and it's something that is human nature both in the secular and religious world. We fall in love with power or having power. We fall in love with this idea of calling shots. We fall in love with these various things, and Jesus doesn't do that. He says, I am setting you an example. I am setting you an example here and now. And the question is, will you follow it? Because He says, I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Whose feet are you washing? Who are you lowering yourself to serve? And how are you doing it? And with what attitude are you doing it? I seriously doubt there's any of us in the room that don't have a long way to go on that. Because we have what's known as human nature. But yet through the cross we also have not only human nature, but we have divine intervention. Do we follow the example of Christ? 
Or do we lead a life of entitlement where it's about us and not about God? You notice also in that same verse 15, we see the last point from today. Service is not optional for the faithful disciple of Christ. Service is not optional for the faithful disciple of Christ. Just as we have done with the first four, with the first three membership vows, and we'll do with next week, you cannot be a faithful member of the church. You cannot be a faithful follower of Christ if you are not in prayer. You cannot be a faithful member of the church and you cannot be a faithful disciple of Christ if you are not present in the worshiping life of the community, except for reasons of infirmity. You cannot be a faithful member of the church or a faithful disciple of Christ if we are not people who give and give abundantly because we know what God has done for us. And we cannot be faithful members of the church and we cannot be faithful disciples of Christ if we do not have an attitude of service. Verse 15, that you should, you also should do as I have done to you. And even back in 14, you also ought to wash another's feet. And the thing that's funny as I think in our attitudes towards service to God and to the church, we want to know what's in it for us. What's the tangible benefit? What is it that we can expect to get out of it? And nowhere in Scripture is that ever mentioned. The idea of we do something for what we can get out of it. For you see, when we engage in service to the ministry of the church, it's about a spiritual discipline of remembering Christ's service to us. It's not about outcome, it's about income. It's about the grace of God that flows through every fiber of our being. It's about the grace of God that goes to our fingertips and to our toes that should marinate our hearts. That's what it's about. The question is, where are you and I? Do we serve? And do we serve for an end, or do we serve as a remembrance and a celebration of what God has done in and through us, through Christ our Lord? It's a question for all of us. In a week or so, you're going to be getting a letter uh, at the end of this worship series. As we look at committing to the ministries of our church next year through our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. And the thing is, service can take on many different things. It can take on many different forms. It can take on many different functions. And the question you're going to be given as a part of that vow is, how is it that God is calling you to serve in this community of faith? And how committed are you to that? service. There's so many different ways to serve in the life of our congregation. You know, there are some standard things and then there's some non-standard things. But one thing about ministry in the 21st century, and I was visiting with my dear friend, uh, Dr. Doug Ezel. Many of y'all know him. I was visiting with him last week, and he and I were talking about the ministry challenge of the 21st century. And he said, you know, it's a whole different day than it was even when you started back in the, two, in the early, late 90s. 
And when we look at service, let us also look at one-off projects. Let's look off, look at one-time ministry. Let's look at, rather than trying to find always an ongoing body or an ongoing committee or an ongoing something, let us look to see how it is God is calling us to serve in whatever form it presents itself. Camille will tell you there's plenty of ways to serve in the office day to day. There are plenty of times to go visit the shut-ins. There are plenty of times to go and to spread the word of God through the community. There's plenty of time to work as we do the programming ministries of the church. But the fact of the matter is, we all are called to serve. And where service is not optional. You know, and those of y'all that saw the church sign, I, one of y'all mentioned to me this morning, I think I figured it out. For those of y'all who haven't seen the church sign, I had Camille change it on Friday. We talked about Papaw, a chainsaw, and Kid Rock this Sunday at 10 o'clock. You've already gotten the story about my Papaw and you got the story about the chainsaw. But Kid Rock is one of the more interesting illustrations I've ever used in a sermon. And Kid Rock did a song that came out seven years ago now. I forget when it was. It's a song called Born Free. And he captures the essence of the freedom that comes when you look at life in Toto. And he talks about how he was born free and all these things that he could do. And I wonder what would happen if you and I embraced the idea that we are born free. We are free to do as exactly as Christ has taught us. We are free to serve one another. We are free to serve our community. We are free to do all these things. He goes on and he says, and toward the end of the song, one of his lyrics says, If you can't see my heart, you must be blind. Let me say that again. If you can't see my heart, you must be blind. Our attitude of service, our engagement in the attitude of service, our shifting from a consumer Christianity perspective, where it's all about what we get out of it, but into an attitude of serving and an attitude of washing feet and an attitude of pouring ourselves for others, that is showing our hearts. Whether or not we want to admit it, our actions and our attitudes show our hearts. And again, there's no one in this room, including me, who doesn't have a lot of area to grow in that. But as others see us, Peter, if you look at this dialogue, Peter was showing, was seeing Christ's heart. Peter was seeing Christ's heart of service. As people look at us, what do they see? Do they see an attitude of service? or an attitude of entitlement. Also another place in the song, he says, talks about celebrating God's grace on thee. An attitude of service, an attitude of service to God and to His church is a way to celebrate God's grace. What are we celebrating? What are we doing? Kid Rock got it. We're born free. You and I are free through the, through the work of the cross, through the waters of baptism. You and I are free to live out a life that is a service-oriented life. The question is, what are we doing with it? What hearts are others seeing in us? 
Let us be people who serve because we've been served. Let us serve because we are obedient to God. Let us serve in ways that are unexpected. Let us serve in ways that follow the example of Christ. And let us serve because we know that it's not optional if we're going to be faithful disciples of Christ. Thank you for listening to this podcast of First United Methodist Church of the Ritter, Louisiana. You may find out more about us at fumcderitter.org.